Gentlemen, you realize what we've found. Who knows what waits for us in nature's no man's land? Those hands and those eyes! You've got to do something about it, you've got! Baffling questions, astounding questions. Earthly or unearthly? Is it human or inhuman? Afternoon. Sorry about that. It's okay. I'll get it. Give me your hand! Edward, I know that we haven't spoken in a few years. I need your help. I need your help. I have a daughter. Her name is Rowan. She has been missing for two weeks now. I fear she is in danger, so now I turn to you. Be careful and believe nothing that you see or hear. Lost your bearings? Oh, hey, sorry. Snuck up on me there. This is private property. Do you know her? Hmm, I don't recognize this child. Welcome. still here. She has been taken by who I don't know. I'll find her. If she existed, we would know of her. Whose desk is this, hmm? Rowan? Hello? You suspect foul play. Hey! Wicker man returns. Who's the wicker man? I'm gonna search every inch of this town. She'll burn to death. She'll burn to death. I need your help. Daddy. Hello and welcome to another episode of It Came From The Bottom, once again brought to you by Head Games Entertainment, your ultimate source for digital series, podcasts, and more. Once again, I am Jack. I'm Zip. I'm Adina. Folks, this is our 50th episode. We are officially halfway through this fucking list. (laughs) And what a time, uh, what a a good landmark movie to set it on, because... (laughs) I mean, in our first episode, our, our God Help Us episode, I, I stated one of my favorite things ever is Nicolas Cage. And finally, we're getting the chance to review one of his movies. And one yep. of his more infamous ones at that. We, are, we watched The Wicker Man, folks, from 2006. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, this was one that was added to the, the revised IMDb Bond 100. Yep. And uh, we're still kind of debating what to do with that. But right now, we figured, you know what? We're hitting an episode 50. Let's do something fun. And um, did we get that? Well, we'll see. <laughs> so, had either of you seen this movie before? Adina, this came out like 10 years ago. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, if I know it's going to be bad, I don't fucking see it. But it had Chauncey Miller in it. 
Okay, so I think Dina's a hard no. And Zip, you hadn't seen yeah. this one either? I had not seen this version. I had seen the original from the 70s, gotcha. but not this version. Adina, had you seen the original from the 1970s? She's sipping on her tea. Kermit style. <laughs> uh, had you seen this movie, Jack? <laughs> How many times? That's See, the better question. Look, I gave you was yeah. the look you've given me every time I've asked this question. Yep, yeah. that's fair. So I owned this. Co- I I've owned this copy for many years. I mean, mm-hmm. as Zip as you brought up earlier, this is a. It's a ho- it has a Hollywood video label on yeah. it. So I'll show you how long I've had this. Better than Blockbuster. Uh, so yeah, this uh, every positive or negative connotation you often hear associated with Nicolas Cage. This uh, this movie kind of embodies a lot of that. Mm-hmm. In terms of his acting abilities. Sure. Yeah, Zip, do you have the IMDb description for this movie? Yeah. <laughs> not, not right on me, but I will momentarily. Why, oh, yes, Jack. Um, <laughs> a sheriff investigating the disappearance of a young girl from a small island discovers there's a larger mystery to solve among the island's secretive neo-pagan community. Written by Anonymous. That's fair. Yeah, no. that's that's just a general summation. Yeah. yeah, this is one of those movies where the people behind it have gone on retroactively to say that it was designed to be a comedy, <laughs> and and so what? based on that submission, I would not at all connect those two. No, but yeah, there's a lot of silly shit in this movie, but I don't think it was intentional. No. No. It was not. No. So, shall we? Yeah. All right. Do it. Let's, let's, do let's jump right in. So, we have some opening credits set to black. Uh, a really dumb font. <laughs> it was, like, straight out of, like, a 95, like, word processor. Yeah, it's like papyrus uh, yeah. font yeah. or something oh, like yeah. that. Don't yeah. tell Ryan Gosling. So, we we then open, I guess it's, like, in Arizona. This is, like, the Midwest. That's what it looks like, yeah, but yeah. it's supposed to be California. Yeah. Is it? Okay, well... Yeah. Wherever we are, we open on this truck stop. Uh, Bobbly Wobbly is nowhere to be seen, uh, thankfully. Uh, we, we, we're we in this truck stop where this woman's like this diner or wherever, and this woman's helping this one dude out, this cop. And there's this other patrolman behind him, played by our hero, <laughs> Nicolas Cage, who's looking at books. And it's like the self-help book that he picks up. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Yeah. Yep. And this this comes up throughout the film for some reason. In this scene, there was one of the um one of the patrons in the truck stop. I think he's like the first one we see. He's one of the truckers, has a mustache. Yeah. He's sitting at the end of the bar and like, you know, has like one or two lines of dialogue with the waitress before he pays his bill and takes off and then she moves on to the cop. And I, I, w- I just happened to still be on the IMDb page and was just flipping down the list. That was Aaron Eckhart. Are you shitting me? That was Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, truck this, stop patron. Because I because he's one of the first people you see. You see the waitress, and then you see him before you even see the uh, the other cop down at the end of the counter. And I was like, well, that guy looked kind of familiar, but he just walked out of the frame. So I guess I don't need to know but who it was. He was a working actor. Like he did. He did. Uh, he Aaron is Rockovich before this. Well, the well, here's the connection. Neil Labute's first film was oh. in the company of men, and Aaron Eckhart was the star of and, that. Yeah, so which is the one, the movie that put both Neil Labute in in the movie in movie terms. Right. 
and then Aaron Eckhart, that was his first, that was his breakout so role. So what we didn't mention, everybody, is Wicker Man, this adaptation, was written and directed by Neil LeBute, whom many of you might know as a playwright. Yes. And he tends, his plays tend to be pretty caustic, pretty difficult, pretty complicated. Yep. Um, talking about social issues, Fat Pig is one. And so just... Just know that this is where this is coming from. Neil LeBute, y'all. I mean, there's definitely a lot of political commentary to be found through this when you mm-hmm. dig to the, the hierarchy. Sure. But I wouldn't connect that in terms of the the intensity or just the... Oh, my God. Knowing his playwriting and then this... Yeah. I was highly disappointed. Yeah. Yes. So uh, after a quick sequence, uh, it's a quick montage of him... Driving down, uh, you know, on patrol, he's you know, pulling people over, giving out tickets, etc. And then he sees this one station wagon pass by, and a little girl's doll flies out the window, and he chases them down. Lights on, he drops it off. <laughs> so he, so yeah, so he pulls this woman over, and he returns the doll to the little girl who's in the back seat. This little girl was a fucking dick. She was a bad she actress, sure was. too. She was a dick. She throws the doll back out onto the street. So her mom is apologizing for something when he pulls them over. She doesn't know what she's done wrong, but she automatically apologizes. And she's Well, no, she knows that the doll went out the window. That's what she's apologizing for. She already knows that the doll has been thrown out the window. So I didn't get that. Anyway, so yeah, the little girl has thrown the doll, and she's got, let's just describe these two ladies. They're both blonde. Mm -hmm. The young lady, the girl, has braids, ponytail braids, and a red sweater. Mm -hmm. Because this comes up. This is important. Yes. And they're in this station wagon, and the the mother is perfectly nice. She's lovely. She is. But the girl, the little girl, is a fucking dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're moving. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And the father's nowhere in the picture. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps why they're moving. Well, yeah. yeah. So, and the, again, we get, and and Neil Labute is known for this. His men versus women mm-hmm. themes. This is huge. Oh, is that a thing with him? Yeah. <laughs> Because I couldn't tell from this film. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, so maybe the, girl, maybe yeah. the father gave her the doll. I don't know. But then she throws it out of the window again. Yes. Just to, right just in front. Just to spite him. Yeah, just to spite him. I guess she gets her comeuppance. Yep. <laughs> because Cause Nick Cage turns around, walks out into the middle of the street to, to pick, up, pick the up the doll. And in the background, an 18-wheeler slams into the station wagon head-on. Yeah, and I did not expect that. that no, that this came out of nowhere. And it, it actually got me, too. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, what the death. fuck just yeah. happened? So props to that. Yeah. Props to this scene. But seriously, it just come out of nowhere. I'm like, did Stephen King like oh, yeah. ghostwrite this? <laughs> <laughs> What gets weird, though, is he, he runs up to the car because it's now on fire, and he looks in the back seat, and the little girl's still alive, and she's, like, unscathed. She, this and thing's she's just, yeah. just sitting there and she's just and sitting there staring at him. get out of the car. No, yeah. she's not trying. She's not screaming. Like, nothing. Mom, she just sits there, stares at him. We assume the mom is, like, mashed lasagna at this point. Right. But well, like, you see her, like, slumped over the steering wheel, so but she's probably gone. wheeler but, truck just, like, yeah. plowed into this thing, what looks like Mach 10. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and the little girl's just, like, fine. 
had a bruise on her. And and seat. where and where did the where did it go? Where did the eighteen wheeler go? We it just went away because because for, from this point on, all we see is just the station wagon on the side of the road on correct. fire. Yeah, the the eighteen wheeler is nowhere to be found. Maybe it was right. Optimus Prime. So here's the thing: this made me question whether or not. They were real. And I think yeah. that's the intention, but I guess we'll talk about that later. This seems yeah. to be something that lingers with him throughout the film like it was a it past does. trauma. It, yeah, and, and it keeps and it coming up. He sees her, the, the little girl in the backseat, she's, she's staring at him while he's trying to reach at her. You know, he, t- right. he pulls off his helmet, and he starts trying to break the glass in, and then the thing just blows up. Right. Yeah. And then it cuts to the title card. I'm like, this is the setup for this movie? This is weird. It's Totally. Like, there's no, there's no mystery set up. There's no, like, hinting at anything that has to do with the actual core plot itself. Not really. Mm-mm. I mean, I get right. the, the parallel they're going to go with on this one, but it doesn't have anything to do with what we're set. Like, so why have the dramatic title card after this? No idea. It's very strange. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we cut to the scene. Uh, how long ago, how, how much later is this after the sequence? Is, is it supposed to be? I have no idea. It's, it's, I thought it was years later at no, first. No, it wasn't. It wasn't It's not that. years later because he's, he's still on leave. After this this particular incident, because when the car blows up, he gets blown back into the street and knocked unconscious. Yeah, and that's when the title card comes up, and then we see him sitting at home, recovering, and recovering. And so it's it's not yeah. that long it after the accident, but no burn scars though, which is weird. Okay. I mean, the guy just yeah. had an explosion happen. I mean, he's got, he's got well, there a- appears to be nothing physically wrong with him at all, except in his head. So yeah, this this lady cop enters and. It sets her up initially like she's some important character in this movie, but then they go nowhere else with it. Nowhere. Like, what was her purpose in this? But doesn't she show up at the very end? Isn't she in the crowd? Is she? Yeah. It was. I think she's in the crowd at the very end. And so this is and this is why I think they – so, yeah. Let's watch it again. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, no. I think she's at the very end. I think. I could be wrong, but I thought I saw her at the very end. But this whole conversation between them, she makes it sound like they didn't exist because hmm. they never found the bodies. They never found out anything about them. Mm-hmm. And the way she talks to him, she feels very much of the people he's about to meet. So I don't know if she's trying to gaslight him or whatever, but she is not at all helpful. Well, that is this whole movie. It's called Gaslight. Right? I mean, really. So Not with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I just and, – and the pacing on this particular scene is some of the worst pacing we've ever seen. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, this is – It's terrible. And – Second only to after last season. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's bad. Uh, but so I, I just don't get yeah. the, the whole the whole thing that this whole scene leads up to is just him getting a letter from his estranged fiance. Yeah, and it's it's this woman named Willow, and she's telling him that you know, hey, like it's, I know it's been a long time. It's been like what ten years since she last saw him. Something like Something that. Like the that. letter chalks up to like, hey, or no, uh, it's gotta be or it's eight, gotta be less. Eight years. Not, yeah. Not I think eight years, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, she just ghosted him, like, we'll just say eight years ago. And then she writes him a letter that he receives at the end of the scene. He reads over, and, you know, with her voiceover, she's like, Hey, it's been a while. I hope you're doing well. I need your help. I'm on this island with my commune, and uh, my daughter, Rowan, has gone missing. And I think that there's foul play, and I need you to come help me out. I don't know who else to trust. It's, right. It's it's really suspect, but the movie doesn't want us to think it's suspect. 
Yeah. This movie is this movie again. Not to get off track again, but this movie has a thing of raising a lot of red flags that the movie tries tries to sweep under the rug. Like there's a couple times where a character will actually respond to something that sounds to the audience too fishy, but it just kind of gets like swept aside. Like we're not supposed to really regard it that much, right? Uh, and this is just one of those you know first examples. Willow mentions that she is located on this island called Summer's Isle, and so he needs to find his way there. We then cut to this scene at the station where he visits his really weird cop friend. Uh, this guy was weird. He was. Yeah. I'm not sure if his acting choices was what stood out to me or just what he had to say, but I can't really go beyond that. Just it was a weird conversation, and he's like, it's basically to exposit, like, hey, we don't have any information on this place. It doesn't receive cell phone service because he tries to call it and he gets a you know he gets a disconnected number. The guy's like, I guess he's just trying to talk him out of going. Yeah, that's yeah. basically what it is. It's like just let it go. It's probably some crazy. Why is she reaching out to you? Yeah. Why do you care? Well, and and this is where we also find it because going back to that whole is this a setup for is is this all in his head or not? This is where the partner reveals that they never found the bodies of the mother or the child in the station wagon. Yeah. yeah. They never recovered any bodies. Right. Hmm. Which still doesn't disqualify. But, and, but like happen. you said, that's another one that just sort of, because Nick K. Jackson was like, did they ever find the bodies? And he's like, no, they never found any sign of any bodies anywhere at the crash. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's another thing that gets dropped and then never mentioned but again. But there's still a crash. It's like someone had But there was the a car. crash. It was investigated. Right. Something did happen. Someone was driving that car. Right. As the self-proclaimed resident Nick Cage expert, a fun fact on whether or not you're going to enjoy his movies for irony or sincerity, uh, in this case, irony, any movie where his character is seen frequently taking prescription medication like it's Tic Tacs, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a good time. (laughs) Yep. It's true, because he does take prescription medication throughout this movie. Yes. <laughs> this is one of those... At non-prescribed times. Right, and we don't know He just why. pops them whenever. We don't know if he's in pain or if it's um, like Xanax or something. We don't know what it's for. Yeah. But he takes it. Yeah. This is like one of six movies of his, good, bad movies of his that I've seen where he does that. He hops on this ferry over to this... Well, where's the ferry taking him? Like, why does he take a ferry over? Because he's, he's on a ferry, and... He has a scene where he hallucinates on the boat. This is great because he looks out the window on the side and you see like this little girl and, and her mother, different mm-hmm. actresses, and then you just see the fucking an eighteen wheeler truck just plow just down, plows her yep. down on the boat. Yeah, it's like is this movie? This movie is PG thirteen. We also should go back and say, and it's like is this their way of saying like, hey, we're going to be adding jump scares, but we're not really sure how to do that without crossing the line too much because this movie right. has really weird jump scares, and this yeah. is one of them. Yes, yes. So let's just make you literally jump because there's a eighteen wheeler truck that's just going to startle the shit out of you on this boat. Mm-hmm. So then it takes him over to this cargo pilot where, where he has like a, a you know a cargo plane that takes over to Summer's Isle. So I guess that's why he's on the on the boat, but yeah. Yeah, it's just it's, it's very unclear why he needed to take a boat over to where this guy was. Why that scene needed to exist, other than the fact that hey, we need to have a jump scare with a truck on the deck Maybe of a boat. To show how isolated it is. Well, yeah, uh, is to show how isolated it is. The only information we get before this is just that Summer's Isle is an island 
within a collection of islands in Puget Sound. Yes. That's the only setup we get. So, yeah, I, I think that's just to, to make it clear that, one, it is very remote, and, two, there is no conventional method of getting to this island other than yeah. having Harry to... And plane. Yeah. yeah. So, so we meet the pilot of this uh, this charter plane. Was he not? Okay. Okay. No, I did consider him. I, I very much liked him. Oh. I thought he was just fine. But my hobo is coming up. Okay. So, Okay. Yeah. Uh, that... I think I'm okay. Uh, uh, so yes, he, he meets this uh, he, he meets this guy who, who who's the pilot of this plane, and he bribes him basically because the guy says like you know this is private property they don't like having outsiders here you can't come along and Nicholas Cage is like well I got Benjamin Franklin and I got the Declaration. would you would you consider taking all of us and what do you mean all well me and my brother. Uh, Benjamin Franklin and, and his Ulysses brother Ulysses S. Grant. He finally arrives at Summer's Isle via the plane. Okay, and at this moment, mm-hmm. I wrote down, it's Fantasy Island! Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. of the shot of the plane. Of the plane coming in, yeah. And there, there's one more movie reference that'll be coming up later, but I was like, oh. The plane! The plane! The plane! Yeah. If only Irve was in the island. <laughs> right? Hey, that's a connection to the original. We could just have Chris Felicia back up and go, Knick knack, Tabasco! <laughs> I'm coming, sir! Yep. So oh we, we had this first interaction where he meets a couple of the people on Summer's Isle, and it's, these, it's this group of women who are like, hey, you aren't supposed to be here. You know, we don't like outsiders around these here parts. Mm-hmm. And then all the, all the while, this group of men walk up and they're holding this giant leaking bag. That's yeah. moving. Yeah, that's it's, moving. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, and it's dripping like what appears to be blood. And it's correct. You know, spooky. <laughs> but I wrote down creepy fucking Macbeth witches. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the, and this also brings up the the first reference to do you have permission mm-hmm. from the woman who's in charge of the island, basically, mm-hmm. right. uh, from what's it, sis, sister, sister Summer's Isle. Isle. Yeah. yeah. And they ask him, like, you know, how, how did you get here? And, he's and like, that oh. becomes a thing throughout right. the rest permission. of the movie is, yes. do you have permission to do this? Yeah. yeah. And, and the, he's like, yeah, the, the pilot uh, took me over here. And they're like, well, we'll have to straighten him out then, won't we? Which, mm-hmm. you know, well, whatever. He's focused on the bag here. And he finally insists he look inside it. And he does. But we don't actually see what's in we it. Never it sets see him up like a jump it. scare. Yeah. So we don't know if it's an animal or a person. We have, have no, no idea. idea what no, was no. in this bag. No, there's no clue. I mean, it could. And there's look. no reason for this scene. And they just he, <laughs> for that he, he looks there's in there. He, he jumps no back. Reason. There's startled. no reason for the bag. Yeah. Yeah. But but then the women are like, ha, 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 ha. jokes yeah, they on just you. Laugh at him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's dripping blood and it's moving. What's in the bag? <laughs> What's in the bag? Just as Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <laughs> so the, no, because it's still you. moving. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's animated head. <laughs> So <laughs> that'd be a first. <laughs> oh, <Snap>. salam. <laughs> I love you, Zeb. <laughs> so we get to the end of Summer's Isle and, and it, it, he gets to the bar area and we, we meet the bartender behind the thing. Sister Beach. It wasn't her. Sister Beach. It wasn't her? No. Okay. Good, good. Because I, I called her Sister Bitch. Yeah. No, she was not my hobo in a barn. Yeah, because he, he goes up to the bar and, like, she's this very big, like, 
built woman and and mm-hmm. kind of imposing. And she just kind of major RBF going on. We should go with that. Basically, she gives them the same thing earlier. Like, you know, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. We, don't, right. we, don't, we don't like strangers around here. Fuck off. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, well, I'm going to be here for a while. I, I need a room and some food if, if you can swing, swing it. it. Yeah. And she's like, is that some kind of city talk? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, really? And, and then City talk? So then we see Willow for the first time. Yeah, enter sister Lips. Uh, <laughs> that's well. That's basically his estranged deal. fiance enters. Yeah, Sister yeah. Willow. I, I'm torn on this actress. Like, I mean, she wasn't terrible, but like a lot of her lines, she just read flat. Interesting fact: she's Australian. Yes, I can see that. She's pretty. She, she did a fantastic job hiding her accent. Yeah, agreed. I will give her yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, I yeah. never heard a hint of. Oh, she's not from America. She sounds, yeah. yeah. Uh, it just and her name's Kate Bean. I, I haven't seen her in anything mm-hmm. else. I hadn't recognized anything else in her IMDb. I just, I mean, you know, yeah. This, yeah. This movie may have hurt her career. I don't know, but uh, yeah, she just she greets him. She just kind of acts a little bit suspicious, like you know, hey, you know, I can't really say anything here. Yeah, she, I can't say anything here. Meet me later. Yeah, uh, and and in the scene also, you know, because Sister Bitch hands him this uh, this mug full of like honey, spices, mead, and yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's mead. It's mead. It's mead. Um, and while he's drinking it, it's in the scene too that he, with his glass, he kills a bee that's just on the bar, mm-hmm. and Sister Bitch like reacts like very like surprised, and she's like, "Why would you go and do a thing like that?" And he's like, "I'm allergic to bees," and setting that up for later. So, but in the scene, also Willow slips him a little note, and it's requesting a private meeting because it wasn't safe to talk in public. So, he meets her in the middle of the woods, and so she basically elaborates more in her notes. So, yeah, she has a daughter, and she's gone missing, but she insists that sorry, Rowan. She insists that Rowan is still on the island somewhere. They can't trust any of the other occupants on the island. She never explicitly states that she thinks that the commune is responsible. There is nothing in this screenplay that ever specifically states anything. Oh, yes. Okay? Yeah. That is one of my main frustrations with this film and with this particular actor and her dialogue. And I don't think it has to do with her performance. It has to do with the writing. Mm -hmm. Nothing is explicitly said. Nothing is spoken about. And I don't know why. I understand there's a mystery. That's great. But you brought this guy, and I know you're trying to dupe him and shit, but, the, I mean, this the dialogue in this movie was so goddamn frustrating. So you, you liked her performance acting-wise? No. Okay. But I, what I'm saying is I, I think she did what she could with what she was given. Yeah. But there are other actors in this movie who did far better. Yeah, I know. One of whom is my hobo. I was going to say, with her, like, I just associate her with, like, pouty face. Like, she was, like, the Freddie Prince Jr. in the movie. The entire time it's just... Yeah, she just... She was scared and sad. Right. Yeah, and her lips. So, which are lovely. She's a lovely woman. But, yeah, I was like... You know, and the frustration between him and her, you know, it was so frustrating. And I don't know if they were trying to make the movie longer or whatever, but it's like, just yes. get, you get to the goddamn point. <laughs> just get to the goddamn point. Well, I, I think that they were trying well, to make the movie longer, but they would have made, it could have been longer if they actually explained or followed up on a lot of the questions that Nicolas Cage's character brings up. 
But you can't do that because that's how you prolong the mystery. Right. Otherwise, he's going to put two and two together. And that's how you also stumble upon answers that and the writers didn't have the questions that writers didn't have answers to. Yeah, and well, and and it's just she's the catalyst for keeping him on the island. Oh, definitely. Now that he's there, she has to keep putting on the oh, I'm frightened. Please help me. Please help me. Because otherwise, he's going to be like, you guys are fucking crazy. I'm leaving. Right. That's all she leaves him with. Her daughter's still on the island. Something else is going on. Um, night at the inn. So he, he returns to the inn. He views a couple people of the town around around the inn. Like there's like these weird twins who speak in unison. Yeah, and there are twins all over this movie. Yeah. And that never gets addressed. No. There are twins everywhere. In the school, in those blind twins, they're everywhere. And that seems to me like it could have been something important and useful, right. or at least interesting. Well, these specific twins only exist for the sake, for the sole purpose of trying to be creepy. Yeah, because that's all. Because they look, and they are. they're like older women. They're yeah, it looks like something out of and American they look Horror like Story. Blind. And these are the same twins that are in the Netflix uh, version of an, a series of unfortunate events. Oh, okay, yeah. well, that's cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I liked them. I did too. Not my hobo. It's also in in, the, in this particular scene where we meet another sister, uh, Sister Honey, who's played by Lily Sobieski. Yes. Yes. Remember her? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I like this actress. Yeah, I like her too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But she's in this movie. I, I don't understand her character in the slightest. It's yeah, like, I don't understand the purpose of her character. She 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 talks like like she has PTSD. Like there's something like wrong with her. Like yes. she's like she. Like everyone in this movie is crazy, including the protagonist. So I don't. I, again, I I need to listen to the commentary in this movie because th- there's there's got to be more to this character than than what we're given in the film. Right. Well, and she's the she's one character outside of Willow who feels like she wants to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. So it yeah. seems like because she says, later. "When you go home, take me with you," and so that's. I feel like she's asking to leave, and again, there's another there's another element mm-hmm. that just gets tossed yeah. away. That has nothing to do with the outcome or the, the right. plot to this. I like am, if she's schizophrenic, does she does part of her legitimately want to leave the island? Like, exactly. Right. So again, more confusion. Thanks. Yeah. We have this trippy dream where it's basically they just put a couple filters over it. The same truck on the boat sequence from earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, I mean, I'm sure you're very proud of that edit, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't an interesting enough shot to show again as a jump scare. Right. It's a truck on a boat. He he wakes up in the middle of the night and then spots a different actress dressed as Rowan running in the woods. Actually, backtrack, I should also add, he has a picture of Rowan as well. Yes. That he's been referring back to, but... Uh, he sees a different actress uh, uh, dressed as Rowan running on the lawn of the inn and into the woods. He follows her, and he goes into, the, like, this barn after following her for a stretch. Mm-hmm. And, and, we ha- again, this is the movie's attempt at putting suspense on what was. Like, the, one of the most suspenseful parts of the scene, the only reason it even existed, was because he needs to step on a loose floorboard and then almost fall into a soft pile of hay below him. No, 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 it's not a soft pile of hay. What's the They're pitchforks. Oh, are there? There is a box full of pitchforks directly underneath it. I didn't it. see that. That's the danger. That's yeah. dumb. Yes. Yeah. That's a very convenient uh, loose floorboard, too. So, yeah, but all, all the same. The suspense, the scene only exists is so he can step on a weak floorboard and almost fall. Yes. But it doesn't. He just pulls himself back up. 
So morning comes. He has this talk with Sister Honey about honey because he's at the bar and he's like, hey, you know, he has like the little plastic bear that you see in the supermarkets. It's like, is this all you got? And he's like, that's all we have. Our crops are cursed and so we have no more honey. He then notices in the scene that there are uh, several framed pictures in the wall of different children. And it's like all these like little girls, they're all standing in this weird circle. It looks like a ritualistic thing going on. And he notices that one photo, the very last one placed, is missing and broken out. And they just said it was hap- it happened to be picked up in the middle of the night. And he asks Sister Bitch about it, and she doesn't tell him anything. She just, uh, she, she acts coy. Mm-hmm. It's like she, everyone in this movie talks to him like they know something, and they're not going to tell him something. Right. Which it's Correct. trying to instill that paranoia thing. I get it, but mm-hmm. it's not subtle enough to where we can actually question everything it's just like okay they're an antagonist we yeah. know everybody's hiding something she, she mentions that it's like the festival of the harvest that's what all the pictures are being taken for uh, there's also she mentions a, a festival of fertility and she's like we're not allowed to take pictures of those and he also learns that there is a photographer on the island there's only one photographer it's a doctor and they're the one that took the pictures so we have the scene of honey chopping wood and this is where we have that dialogue exchange with, uh, you know, where she's like, when you leave, will you take me with you? And again, it goes nowhere. It's just, and he even shows her a picture of Rowan to ask her if she's seen her. And she just kind of looks at it, then laughs, yeah. and then just moves on. Right. This is, again, this is one of those moments like where it's like, you're not, one, that's not how a character that you're trying to establish with this would respond with that. And additionally, to Nick. With Nicolas Cage's character, Edward, he doesn't respond like a human would to someone who did that. So, right. we get to the classroom scene because he goes to the school to question her. To, to, he goes to the school there to talk to the teacher and her and the students there about, you know, if they know this girl, if they've seen her. Because everyone there so far has been saying we've never heard of Rowan. Now, on his way, is that when he passes the line of pregnant ladies? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's, here we go again. Were they your hobos? Yeah, no. No, No, we're getting there. Or were the children But it was just so very strange that it was this line of all pregnant women. Yeah, it was five of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Handmaid's Tale, anyone? Sorry. So, so yeah, we get to this classroom. No, this is reverse Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, right, yeah. He He goes to this classroom, and and he... The teacher is also being really standoffish and bitchy with him because she's like, you know, we've never heard of a Rowan. We don't know her. And 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 all the students in the classroom are like, you know, we don't know her. He's showing them all their, their her picture and they're looking over like, wow, I've never seen her before. But then he sees a desk in the back, one empty desk, and he opens it and we get another jump scare because a bird flies out of it again. A crow. And, and and then he he goes up to the to the front desk and and he pulls out the attendance roster and he finds Rowan's name crossed out. Yep. And this is a moment where the teacher and her name was uh, Rose. Yeah, Sister Rose. Mm-hmm. Sister Rose. She pulls him aside and away from the students and tells him that Rowan has actually passed away by burning. She burned to death. Yes. But she never explains why they're just pretending she was never there. Why they're blatantly lying to his face? Like I caught you in a lie, and now you're telling me some. Now you're. T- it's like why waste my? Why not just tell him that she was dead in the first place? And again, this could this could come off as nitpicking to someone who has who's listening who hasn't seen this movie before. But with the direction this movie goes, the culmination, it doesn't make sense. And this is still on the screenplay because he never asks. 
Yeah. No, you're exactly right. That point is never actually made. Right. Yeah. Therefore, it's just one more thing now that he's like, I must keep investigating this. Yeah. And then she says again, he's like, what happened to her? She's like, she, she says, she'll burn to death. And he goes, what? And she goes, she burned to death. Yeah. I said what I meant. Yes. She burned to death. He goes to this other part of the, of the commune and he finds this other woman. He's asking her for directions to, uh, I guess, where the, where the church was, where she's buried. And he asks this other woman and she looks just like Rose. It's the same actress who plays Sister Rose but with different hair. But he says, hey, didn't I just have a conversation with you? Again, no. The twin thing. Because there were twins in the in the schoolroom. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But you why know, would you ask so, that? Well, right, and wh- why have two people who look exactly the same? What what is this twin thing about? Yeah. Because the only twins who ever get addressed are the ones who are blind and old. Yes. Correct. So once again, and that actor is quite good. I liked her. Yeah, yeah, a lot. yeah. She's the fun. woman who played Sister Rose and the other as uh, Molly Parker. Yeah, and Sister Thorne. I think that's. That's who she also plays. And so... Rose and Thorn. Rose and Thorn. Yeah. Get everything it. is plant-based, name-wise, mm-hmm. y'all. He even says so. that in the movie. Yeah. He's like, great, yeah. another plant. Yeah. Great, another plant. Yeah. Edward then goes to this church, and, and calling it a church is kind of loose, because it looks like that stone pillar thing from the end of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. like this old... It's ruins, yeah, really. Yeah, it really so is. It's an, yeah. an old... Yeah, it's like an old chapel, yeah. and, and basically. He finds, he finds the the mound where, she, where she's reportedly buried... Uh, Willow enters while he's there and says that she's not dead, and she speculates that the commune doesn't like uh, Willow, her re- rebellious ways, which is why they're lying to him and and possibly taking Willow away. It's again, it's it's all vague, and he's not asking the right questions. The, the only thing the scene leads to is just basically her telling him that Rowan is also his child, which. None of us saw coming. No, not at all. Right? Your eight-year-old daughter? <laughs> I mean, I knew that from the start. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's his kid. And this is the whole parallel they're trying to draw with the whole truck thing with the with the little girl and the mother. It's like him trying to save his daughter, him trying to save this little girl. It's it's right. a weird parallel, though. It doesn't have a real per- – it doesn't have an impact on the character, in my opinion. So he goes back – he, he goes with Willow to where Rowan's room was – He's looking around. He sees, like, help me on the bottom of her desk. He, he continues questioning Willow about, you know, where she, like, why they would want to keep her. Again, it doesn't go anywhere, so there's no specific questions he asks that are of any real importance. Mm-hmm. He goes down to the plane because he decides, hey, I don't have cell service. I need to get some help on this. I need to get out of here, or I need to get some backup. So he goes to the, the which we should add. He keeps telling everyone in the town he's parading as a police officer, which he is, but he's in Washington. He's not in California anymore. Right. Correct. So he's parading as a police officer. He has absolutely no, no jurisdiction, jurisdiction at all. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was illegal for him to bring his gun. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, but he's he's still flashing his badge around like a jackass. And, he, well, and, and that was one of the things that got me from the very – like as soon as he got off the plane onto the island – you see he has that gun in its holster on the front of his belt. It's not at his side. It's like a fucking fanny pack right under his belly, right up front where everybody can see it. And I'm like, you're a stranger coming onto this island that you already know they don't like strangers coming to, and you're flashing a fucking gun in their face from from second one. Of course they don't like you, idiot. 
So yeah, so he has no cell service. He wants to get some backup. So he realizes, hey, the plane has a radio. So I'll go down to the dock and I'll I'll, I'll radio in and just you know get, ask for some help. He goes down there. It, there's a uh, oh, be right back sign essentially hung up yeah. by the dock, and he just sits there and waits for the pilot to return. And while he's there, he downs some more pills, and then he looks down at the grate in the dock and he sees what looks like a. a, a a corpse floating in the water. Mm-hmm. So he dives down under the water and he starts looking around. Personally, for me, this is probably the closest I ever came to actually getting creeped out in this movie because that kind of shit does get to me, like mm-hmm. underwater shit. So right. when he's swimming, he sees this corpse and then he pulls it up out of the water. And then what happens? It's like, well, he, he, and it's Rowan. Yeah. And he pulls her up out and then he wakes up. Yeah. And then he wakes up, and, and he's still, he's sitting, on still dock, sitting on the dock with Rowan. But on then his the camera lap. pulls back, yeah. and he's holding Rowan's corpse in his body or in his in, in his, his lap. Arms. Yeah. And then, and then it cuts back to a close up of him waking up again. Again. So, so he's had a dream within a dream. Yeah. Kind of thing happened. Yeah. Right. Insert Hans Zimmer score. Yeah. Yeah. And then he he he's he's fed up with this because like he's just like. Damn it! And so he jumps in the water and he swims over to the plane. He's like, fuck this. I'm just going to go in there myself. He swims in the plane and the radio is just trashed. And he could not look more nonchalant about this or oh God, not right? suspect. Yeah. yeah. He, he just looks in there and he's like, oh, darn it. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's almost as if he was in a completely different movie. I mean, Nicolas Cage is usually in a different movie regardless. But that's he, what... He, but he, he was in a completely different movie every time he showed up to set. Yeah. Like the movie changed from day to day. Yeah. So the, it, essentially, this scene again, like so many scenes before, have only existed for the sake of having scares. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. no one, up until then, no one would have said like, "Hey, doesn't the plane have a radio?" Right. I mean, I I wouldn't have questioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he then meets with the photographer on the island, Doctor Moss, and he notices that she has this ritualistic photo uh, 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 photo album on her desk that she keeps moving away and, and she keeps mm-hmm. keeping him away from and she's not giving him any helpful information so he goes outside waits in the bushes <laughs> which watching you like eagerly like what like this guy if you watch this well movie, let's establish the reason he goes to her is since she's the photographer yeah he's looking to see if he can get a copy oh, yeah. of the photo that is now missing yeah right at the end the photo of whoever the girl was selected for the ritual from the last year and, she has which is supposed to be rowan right according to willow yes. yeah. yeah and dr moss is my hobo yes played by francis connor francis connor y'all yeah so here's here's why I also think Nick Cage was in a completely different movie because the the few the next few actresses that get introduced to us are highly regarded extraordinary actresses um, and Frances Conroy is one of them and if you don't know who that is you need to see uh, American Horror Story um, Six Feet Under and Six Feet Under yes yes so Frances Conroy is the most grounded, the mm-hmm. most natural, the only one outside of Sister Rose who I thought knew what movie she was in. And she she um and, and she's she appears a couple more times throughout this movie. Um but she is my hobo and I thought she was terrific. You know what? Now that you mention it, like I was going back to my comment earlier about how everyone on the island never really plays they're withholding information 
with enough subtlety to make you question it. This woman actually did a good job of that, I felt yeah. like. Mm-hmm. If everyone yeah. had played it with her level, that she, if they were on the same level as her, I, I would have been a lot more paranoid and yes. questioning, you know. Yeah. She, she was yeah. perfection. Yeah. So he, he so goes outside. So she's barn, everybody. He, he waits in the bushes for her to leave. She finally does. And, and he goes, he breaks into her home like a responsible police officer outside of his jurisdiction. Oh, yeah. And he looks at the ritualistic album, and he, he finds books on, on human sacrifice at the harvest. And he finds a pickled baby, which was weird. But, he, again, he thinks nothing of it. He just kind of shrugs it off. He, he, but he finds the photo, right? Yeah, yeah he so finds he, the photo. He finds yep. the photo, and he shows it to Willow. And, and apparently this was last year, which was the worst harvest. They didn't get anything from it. The bees weren't making any honey. And, and this this whole scene was one of the ones that stood out to me the, the most as far as bad exposition and bad how it doesn't answer its own questions because everything Edward screams at her during the scene is everything that I am screaming at the at the movie exactly it's like he's asking her all these logical questions that that you as an audience member are wondering too but she doesn't actually give you any real answers to them she just kind of shuffles around it but not in a way that's deliberate to the d- intention of the screenwriters but more so like we didn't really want to give away too much or we don't know right mm-hmm. we don't know how to logically keep this guy strung along by with a carrot on a string so we're just gonna you know just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain it's it's bullshit yep. but it's his most rational scene in this movie yes his line of thinking yes but she calms him down by kissing him and they make out for a little bit so I guess they're together again that came out of nowhere. <laughs> so the next day, he actually interacts for the first time and helps out one of the men on the island. Because there are men on this island. It's, it's a female-dominated community. But it, it, there's, a, there's a male on this island who's – all the men are just seen, like, helping out and, and labor. They're doing all right. the labor. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They don't speak. Yeah. Um, they seem a little a touched is the word that comes to mind, but I, I feel like they're not all there. Oh yeah, no, no, they're mm-hmm. they're right? they're like a step below Sister Honey. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, but they don't actually speak in this movie. Not really. No, no, because uh, one of them they, they're like they have this cart with with logs on it, and one of them falls over, and he helps the guy pick up one of them. But this is how inept Edward is. Well, as soon as he picks it up, the entire thing just goes collapsing. So he's so inept, he can't even put a stick onto a cart. Uh, and, yeah. and this guy, he speaks like his tongue's been cut out almost. Right. Yes. Did you notice that? Yeah. I believe that's the intention. Yeah. 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 That all the men's tongues have been cut out, yeah. but they never actually reveal it, that. It more or less implies that men are only on the island for procreation purposes, really. And labor. And yeah. labor. They do all of the work and they... Well, they... Not, not all of it, because you see Sister Honey cutting up, cutting up wood earlier. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, it's a weird dynamic. It's not and clear. And it never gets explained. We get the scene where he's in this field because like, he, he sees these beehives being set up, and, and he goes to check it out, and then he starts getting – he knocks over a beehive because, again, it's his character bumbling, whoop, whoop, and he gets chased by bees. So it's just it's just Nicolas Cage. You only really see the bees. They're like lightly CGI, but you just see him running through a field screaming mindlessly while – Barely visible bees chasing down. It was, it's, it's, it's one of the more fa- funny scenes from this movie for me. And uh, he, he sees uh, – so he gets stung. And because he's allergic, he starts to pass out. And just before he passes out, he, I guess, hallucinates a little girl. And I'm like – at this point, I'm like, oh, she doesn't get hit by a bus. That's new. But then it cuts to, in his fever dream, uh, the same shot of the little girl getting hit by the by, – not by the bus, by the truck. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, well, there, never mind. 
So he wakes well, up. no, isn't this the one where he 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 reimagines the 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 car on fire, and he sees her in the back, but then when he goes to smash the window, she's gone. Right. Well, that's what happens after. But like, but there are bees out. flying in the car. Yep. She's yep. not there, but the car is full of bees. Correct. Yeah. He wakes up and he's uh, he's with Doctor Moss. She's, uh, you know, he's like. Did you give me an EpiPen? Like, what happened? She goes, no, I, I treated the danger in the old way. Which and, never and gets And we explained. have no idea what no. that is. The, the, it's, Not it's, a clue. It's poorly cut, too, because it's just him staring at her, her yeah. staring back at him, and he doesn't even question this. It's like, right. go on. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's now in the home of the, uh, the matriarch of this community, mm-hmm. Sister Summer's Isle. Who he's been hearing about this entire time. Like, you know, she's the one who grants permission. She's the one who runs this commune, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so he wakes up in her home having been cured of his, uh, of his bee allergy. He's not cured, but, you know, treated. He's recovered. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's recovered. And Sister Moss tells him that Sister Summer's Isle has been expecting him. I'm like, yeah, yes, he's in her house. Which, actually, she's been expecting him since he first set foot on the island. Exactly. Because the, the the first group of people that he runs into tells him, you need to go see her. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't. This is a full day later. Yeah. And he's finally going to speak to the person in charge. Yeah. yeah. Dumbass. He's been, been sort of setting her up, but not really. But we meet her, and it's it's played by uh, Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Okay, what do we think about her performance in this movie? Disappointed. Phoned yeah. in. It was bad. And especially when we get to a later scene. So, yeah. And, and again, it's like, okay, so if you do decide that it's a comedy, then she did a good job. Because she camped it up. No. Later. I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I was, she did I was, not camp it yeah, up enough. Enough. That's true. I just, so, I mean, she, she is a very good actor. Oh, very. And in this movie, I was, I, I wanted her to have asked to be released from her contract. I, I, just, I don't know what her intention Oh, that was were. the look on her face the entire Sorry, movie right? is, why am I <laughs> why here? Am I here? Well, why played, am I doing she this? Plays yeah. this? She plays the character. It swaps mm-hmm. between annoyance and and also holier than thou. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so she yeah. comes off as a, as a prude and, and, and like, uppity bitch, basically. Yep. Yes. And I don't, correct. It, which is... And there was no nuance. No, no. And yeah. and from everyone, we, what we've gathered so far from this community and, like, and how they operate as their own, like, private and, and exclusive unit, you don't get that vibe. Like, this is a character you think would be humble, but confident that they're doing the right thing, but you don't get that from her. She's like, oh, um, you know, she's being snide with him, and she's being, you know... Uh, cocky. It's like this is welcome to a Neil Butte film. Right. Well, yeah. yes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's true. They're talking. She basically the entire time they just go on a walk and she exposits, you know, why she believes their community is right, like and what they're all about. She's like, oh, I believe, you know, uh, you know, our our ancient ancestors came over from from England or Europe or wherever, and they came to America looking for freedom. But then the Salem witch trials happened, so the women decided to make their own community here, and we've been here ever since. And he's like, so. You know, mm-hmm. you hate men. She's like, no, no, no. We we believe in equality, and we, you don't get that impression whatsoever from what we've seen no. or nope. ever do. And and she goes on for she doesn't tell him any concrete information about Willow. I think she doesn't. She say that she thinks Willow wasn't real either. No, I think it's more just Willow didn't really act like one of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but again, you get questions like, you know, what if you know, like the women are all about. You know, procreating within our, within our own on the island, and he asks what they do if they have a boy, and she just ignores this question, which again is she says, 
That depends. But again, she doesn't and then that's answer. It. Yep. That's it. It's like, do you do you go Sparta and just like you know cast it aside? Like, I mean, and, this, and all this leads up to is him asking her if he can exhume the body where the the, the grave where Rowan's buried, and she grants him permission because because Reasons. we have nothing to hide, right? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, really. So go so ahead. He goes to her. He goes to her gravesite and he digs up the casket and. All he finds in there is this tiny, charred little girl thing with hair of straw and a dress of the best final. It's a doll. <laughs> it's a doll. It's a, it's a, doll. a little burned-up doll. Yeah. And, and and while he's digging this up, he hears like a little girl laughing, and then he looks up, and then it, like the sound design in this movie is really weird too, because yes. it makes it sound like it's surrounding us. Right. Well, other... it's it's been doing this ever since he landed on the island. You hear like whispers. Yeah. Around yeah. him. Yes. Sometimes blatantly so. But is this just a convenient hallucination based on his own mental state? Or is this something that's, again, as we find out later with the whole cover-up? I, I guess that's the intention. But once again, nothing is clear-cut in this yeah. film. So he follows he follows the sound and he enters this, this crypt of this church. And there's this new lock on there. So he breaks that open and he, he, he gets under this grate where there, and he has to swim underwater for a little bit. And, and does he find anything down here? I can't remember. It's, he finds her sweater. Yeah, yeah that's right. He that's finds right. her sweater. Yes, he finds, he finds the red sweater. And then while he's down there, someone, we don't know who, closes the grate and locks it. But why? Summer's Isle is no mad dog killer. She is up to something. <laughs> so while he's down there, because he's just hanging on the grate now waiting for someone to let him out, mm-hmm. and, and we have another truck dream. Yep. yep. It keeps happening. And then finally he comes to and he's barely he's 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 hanging on for dear life and Willow comes and rescues him. And then we have one of the more infamous scenes in the movie where he asks her how the doll got burned. Because <laughs> he just screams at her over and over he again. Just screams at her. How to get burned. <laughs> yep. And she basically tells him the same answer she's been giving him. I don't know. He then goes to Summer's Isle's house. We're at the point in the movie, this is the third act. Mm-hmm. And he's like, something's up. Th- these women are, these women, these bitches be cray. <laughs> and I'm going to do something about it. So he mm-hmm. goes to Summer's Isle's place to, to talk to her. And he keeps calling her out her name and going through different rooms of the house. And every room has something strange in it that he just kind of, again, shrugs off. Like the first room, it's like this, this man in the bed with like a sunken eye and like bee stings all over his yes. body. Yeah. yeah. And then the next room over, it's like a woman who's naked in a chair and but covered completely in covered in bees. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, this this is like something out of like an art film, uh, mm-hmm. but again, it's it doesn't go explain it again. Is no. this in his head? Is this real? And then we cut to, like, my God, um, it's her bedroom, Summer's Isles, and it looks like a, like a set piece straight out of like a sex scene from Spartacus, the TV show, because yeah. it's like it's like tiered and it's like a canopy bed and she's framed center, like it's all white and her hair is all undone now. And she's got like two two handmaids next to her. Yeah, and she's all in white satin. Yeah, right. and she's like, "Did you find him? Is he still alive?" We should establish today or tomorrow whatever it is is the day of like the festival right it's been hinted at but never explicitly stated so, well it is it is that day now so yeah, it is yeah. it is the morning of the day of the yeah, ritual he's woken up that's right yeah. that's right because and because then he he can't find her so because i guess he didn't try all the bedrooms <laughs> yeah because he just leaves so right. he, yeah he's, he's back on the trail and he runs into sister rose who's on a bike with a mask on on her way to the ceremony i guess and mm-hmm. we get the infamous bike jacking scene because yep. he's like, get off the bike. And he pulls out his gun. He's like, step away from yeah, the bike. he puts the gun in her face. So <laughs> yeah. she gets off the bike and he gets But not at it. first because he has a gun drawn on her. Mm-hmm. And then she just kind of scoots her 
bike forward a little bit and further and further. The, the next scene, like he's he's looking more for Rowan, and he thinks that she's about to be sacrificed. That's yeah, that's what he's suspecting. He thinks because she was the fault of the harvest last year for the bad harvest, she's going to be sacrificed by the stake this year right. to mm-hmm. bring back honey. <laughs> And so he's now breaking into, like, every person's house he can find and just, like, questioning the children, like, making them take their masks off. And so these people, like, look – to these actors' credit, look legitimately like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's one scene, like, where he just, like, walks in, like, this big, like, greenhouse full of, like, these, like, little girls playing. And he just, like, rips their masks off and just gets them running back out. Mm-hmm. This, this, this character is now off the rails, like, nuts at this point. Because he goes down to the beach and he finds the, the plane and he finds the pilot – with his eyes and his mouth all sewn, sewn. up and fucked up looking. Yep. And then his hands are cut off, too. I didn't see that. Yeah. His hands are cut off, and they look like um, what we see later, the Wicker Man's hands. Yeah. So, and, and then we get, really one, we get one of my favorite shots in the sequence where while he's looking at this body, we see these three girls who are wearing masks. They're in these bushes. Right? And you just see them all come up in unison. And then mm-hmm. check him out for a second, and then go back down at the same time. Like, yeah. not even like they're crouching. It just it looks like they're like a, like a little elevator. Like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so the festival begins, and it's being led by William Wallace. <laughs> you did. I wrote it down too. <laughs> Ellen Burstyn comes out, and her hair is all wild and marvelous, and then she's got one half of her face painted white, and one half of her face painted blue, and I'm like, it's William Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, freedom for bees. <laughs> Oh, my God. It was weird. Seriously. And, and so she's, like, leading this, this parade, and it's like, let's go to this ceremony. And she has people trailing behind her. Like and they're, they're all dressed up. They're wearing, they like, hobbit masks clothes. or costumes. It's like Renfest. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. wearing, like, animal costumes like and shit. Yeah. Right? It is, That's yeah. what it looked like. Mm-hmm. He goes, at this point, I guess he's just mentally broken because the mm-hmm. next scene is him at the end. And he just, like, slowly walks in. And he he just eyes. This is an amazing scene. <laughs> he, he makes eye contact with sister bitch who's at the bar, and they're just staring each other down, complete silence. He slowly walks up to the bar. They stare at each other for a little bit, and then he just fucking knocks her the punches fuck out. her right in the face, yeah. and yeah. out she goes. Yeah. And I guess because she's the biggest person on the yeah. island, she has a bear suit. Yeah, she's got the bear suit. It's so. like a it's like a legit it's not like a costume party like thing. It's like it's like it looks is, like a legit bear suit. Like suit. It is skin that has been cut off of a bear. Yeah. yeah. And then while he's trying to put it on. Yeah, while he's trying to put it on, Sister Honey just like fucking like ninjas her way to the room and just yeah, starts just, attacking him. Yeah, they have a, a fight scene. Yeah, this is it's the only fight scene in the movie really. Yeah. Goddamn oh god, that was creepy. Yeah, it was creepy. Mm-hmm. Her scream was creepy. Yeah, because it's like it's like shrieking in pitch. Yeah. It's it's, and then he just he punches her up into the wall, and then he just fucking kicks her. Yeah, like Chuck Norris style, right into the wall. And, yeah, right and, into and, the wall but, of photos. Right. Yeah. He he kicks her into like a daze. Like it's not unconsciousness. He, yeah, she it's, just it's very creepy. Yeah, like she she. She hits the wall and then lands on the floor and then does this weird like head bobble thing and then her eyes roll back. It's like it was creepy. It as was fuck. it was yeah. yeah. It's like she just ran out of batteries or something. something. It's, yeah, yeah, it was, it was weird. very bizarre. You don't see her actually pass out, which was right. a strange choice. Yeah. He just he catches up to the parade where they're meeting at the hill with uh, with I guess Rowan is is there and she's tied up and she's on this at the sacrificial pyre mm-hmm. and and Nick Cage's character runs up to Sister Willow in a bear suit 
It's Nicolas Cage in a bear suit. Yep. <laughs> this is amazing because so far it's been like various characters who are unfazed by weird shit going on, particularly Edward's character. But he catches up to her. He lifts his mask so she can see who it is. And he says, like, you know, why didn't you wait for me? She's like, I got bored. And then she's not at all phased that, hey, my, my fiance is. Wearing a bear suit? Yeah. This, okay. Like, regardless of what her intentions are, this this should be a little bit eyebrow-raising for you, Maybe. Woman. A little? Yeah. I, I'm starting to see why she left this guy, though. Because if she's not even phased by the fact that this guy, like, just showed up randomly wearing a bear suit, it's like, okay, maybe some just crazy shit went down in their relationship. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the best part of the scene. So, he runs up the hill towards the sister with the torch and she's like what is it what is it sister and he just punches her the fuck out yep <laughs> and then he picks up willow and then he runs oh, off and rowan. The, he picks up rowan. excuse me yes yeah. rowan he picks up rowan and then just runs off into the woods and all the sisters are giving chase you know ellen burson's character like william wallace she she yells like you know get him and they start running after and then we have the scene where they're running mid woods and his phone starts going off randomly and I'm, like, wondering, like, is this going to go somewhere? And it doesn't. But the only reason it's there is to get him out of the bear suit. Right. Because, like, oh, shit, my phone's going off and this thing doesn't have pockets because Which, it's a bear. Which, we've been told, doesn't get any reception. Yeah. Right. He found a hot spot. He must have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But he, he answers it, but no one's there. He, it just dies. He, he, so. it's, it's Pete. It's only there to it's get his, the bear suit off It's of his him. other, it's his cowboy, his uh, cowboy, sorry. Police. Police officer partner. Yeah. And he's like, help me, we're in trouble. Yeah. And then it dies. And, and see, again, the, it, it exists to get the bear suit off of him, which I think was a mistake because if this movie was legitimately intended to be a comedy, they would have kept the bear kept suit the on bear him. Suit. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine the not the bees <laughs> scene with him. like Within a bear suit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would been great. Rowan, he puts her down while he end, while he takes the bear suit off, and then she starts running, and he, he somehow can't catch up to an eight-year-old. And he's like, Rowan, slow down, honey. But mm-hmm. you see her just like – like piddle skipping along the forest. Yeah. There's, there's no rational reason this guy that yeah. she could outrun this guy, but she does, and she runs. She leads him straight into the crowd of women, and she runs back to, into the arms of her mother, Willow. And she's like, "You did so well, honey." He's like, "Did I do good, Mama?" So it's a trap. Yeah. And, and then we also learned that Willow. So Willow is basically in on this. The whole setup here. This is the whole twist of the movie. Mm-hmm. Willow is actually Summer's Isle's daughter. And this whole thing was just an eight-year elaborate ruse to get him onto this island to become a sacrifice. Right. Yep. This doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. Because they're basically counting on this guy to come to this island to, you know, eight-plus years ago to have all this shit where it's it's like making him think he's... Tar- being targeted, making him think like he's being plotted against. Like, why, why be, why be suspicious about it? It's, it's why try to kill him? He could have legitimately died. So he he draws his gun on them as they start to crowd in on him, and he's threatening to fire. And Willow opens her hand and reveals that she's taken the bullets out, which I don't know when she would have had the time to do that in the first threat. place. So they finally rush him. But again, if he if they knew he didn't have bullets in his gun, why? act cautious about it to begin with they hold him down and they break his legs yes Mm -hmm. with with a light swing from this (laughs) from this big man with a mallet a mallet yes and then they they bring this this weird little hat over to him they put it over his shoulders and it has you know this this mesh cage cage thing yes the cage cage yeah and and they they, nice this is the scene where they they pour the cgi bees 
down into the into the cage, which it's like these bees all move as one swarm in the right direction, number one. And mm-hmm. you see these terror like this movie gets better and better every year as the CGI gets worse and worse because it's just him screaming. You just it's these terrible looking and bees. They, yeah, they're horrible looking. The the perspective on them is always off. Yes. There's size differences from shot to shot. Yep. Um they it, there's no continuity with these bees whatsoever. And he yells, they're in my eyes. Oh, my God, my eyes. And there is not a single bee anywhere near his eyes at that point. You can just tell this was an unscripted part for Nicolas Cage. Oh, absolutely. Nicolas Cage goes crazy. You're just like, okay, they're going to attack me with bees. I got it. Let's go. Ah, yell, 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 and then falls over, and then they're like, cut. Um, Nicholas, he's like, no, that was great. Let's move on. Probably the I most, got it. That was it. Moving on. Pro- probably the most uh, infamous scene from this movie. Sure. The one that this is most commonly associated with. Uh, then, now that he's, like, passed out from his allergy, they they take him over, they transport him over to this giant wicker man they've erected, and they inject him with the EpiPen that Sister Moss gave him. They don't treat him with in the, the old, old way, way. Like the old last way. time. Because they need him alive. But not much. It's like, is he about to? I don't know how bee allergies work. I don't know how pens work. I'm, I'm totally acknowledging that. But you know, if they made it this far with him in that state, could they not have just taken a couple minutes longer to put him to the top? They, they put him up in the wicker man. There's also goats up there. There are doves up there. There are birds. There's all kinds of weird. Oh shit yeah. There, there for all sacrifice. kinds of animals. And they send Rowan up there to set the, the wicker man on fire. It's just him screaming as the thing starts to catch fire. It's completely ablaze. We see this weird shot of Willow orgasming while she's watching on. While they're all chanting, the crow must die. And then the movie ends with the head of the Wicker Man falling off and then crashing into the camera. And then cut to black and then credits. Yes. And he's dead. Yeah, that's the ending of the theatrical cut. Let's talk about the uh, the shocking alternate ending. (laughs) Because that was something that came as a bonus on my DVD and... Uh, this scene, so so in this alternate cut, it basically continues on just six months later, and we just watched this, and mm-hmm. uh, it's six months later, and we're in this bar in, like, New York or California or some shit, Somewhere. and we meet these two guys who are played <laughs> by... James Franco and Jason, and Jason Ritter. Ritter. This is... And these two actors, like, weren't unknowns at this time. Like, oh. this was after Spider-Man had come out for James Franco, oh and Jason Ritter, well... He well, did, he was in Parenthood. He was in Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I like Jason Ritter a lot. Yeah. So they 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 spot this like this hot chick walk by and they follow her and they find out it's Sister Willow and she's there, you know, like with Sister Honey. With Sister yeah, Honey, yeah, yeah, dressed like you know, like they they look hot, like you know, yeah. And they start talking. It's the most awkward dialogue between them because it's just staring and waiting and making awkward comments. But then Sister Willow and, and Jason Ritter split. And then James Franco and Sister Honey talk for a little bit. She says the same shit to him. Like, it's like, where are you going after you're done? And she says, I'm going back to my apartment. She goes, when you go, will you take me with you? And then it's a close-up on her face while James Franco smiles like a shithead. And, yep. then, and then you hear it. Nicolas Cage screaming, and that's it. <laughs> so, yep. You hear the bees. Oh, you hear the bees hear swarming, the bees. and then you hear him scream, and yeah. then it cuts. And then yeah. So, necessary scene? No. No, no, not even a little bit. It's like, yeah, we we get it. We know what you're doing at this point. We know point. that they're going to do it again. We yeah. don't need that scene. So Go that's ahead. it. Let's take a quick break and then get back to you with some trivia. And we're back. 
So, did you guys dig anything up on this trivia-wise? The only thing I've got is a quote um, regarding Neil Labute. All his films usually consist of a cruel and vicious battle of the sexes with the men portraying unlikable and trashy misogynists Mm -hmm. and the women either crafty vixens or vulnerable victims. Insert the Nicolas Cage meme you don't say. Right? Yeah, so that's basically... Well, and the other thing that I got... Uh, was that Nick Cage objected to the criticism that the film was unintentionally funny. He and Neil knowingly made an absurdist black comedy. No, they didn't. They did not. No. They did not. They didn't. Because if they had, because that's what Nick Neil LeBute is good at, mm-hmm. it would have been an absurdist black comedy this movie's budget was 40 million dollars and it made 38.8 million so it that's amazing i mean it, it, what that it made that much money yes I don't honestly think so. i think it made that much money because of the notoriety because the buzz had already started when the movie was released because the reviews just started lambasting it okay. and people were like oh i gotta see how bad this is because at that point you already had that stigma attached to Cage of, oh, he's fucking batshit insane. I got to see this. I mean, for me, it's a PG-13 movie. It looks like a horror movie. I mean, this came out when I was still a teenager, so I, was, I wasn't I was opposed. To, like, I saw this advertised. I was like, it could be fun for like a, a group of friends or a date or something like that if I want to see a scary movie. Like, I, I don't like – I didn't like Nicolas Cage as much then as I do now, but – I could see this being like a popcorn film that like a group of teenagers, like high school kids, would go to like when they're bored. I mean, so I can I don't see, and it's got production value behind it. That's it that's clear. Yeah. But I, I could see this movie making money. I, I but to your point, Zip, I think it, people who pay more attention to that sort of thing would see it have morbid curiosity. I just don't mm-hmm. think morbid curiosity would be just enough to, to for this movie to make as much as it did. Awards, it got some uh, Razzie noms, no wins. It was nominated for worst picture, lost to Basic Instinct two. <laughs> Fair. Cage yeah. was yeah, very fair. Uh, Cage was uh, nominated for worst actor, but he lost to Marlon Sean Wayans for Little Man. Fair. Worst yes. screenplay for Labute, it went to Basic Instinct too. Mm, debatable. It, uh, worst remake or ripoff went to Little Man, which I didn't know was a remake or a ripoff. Worst on-screen couple between Nicolas Cage and his bear suit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That lost to Little Man as well. <gasps> I mean, yeah, fair. I love yeah. Nicholas Cage in the Bears. Fair, like, I, ironically, of course, but yeah. yeah. What is that? What is it? Oh no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, I'm my eyes! Eyes! Let's go along to best line, worst line. The one that stood out for me, if I want to call it the best, was when Ellen Burstyn as Summer's Isle says, I am the spiritual heart of this colony. Basically, it's a bee colony because mm-hmm. they talk about worker bees and all that kind of stuff. I mean, and it was so true to her character, too, because she was not humble at all. No. So she, she was mm-hmm. the leader. So, yeah, so that's... I guess that's my best line. Yeah. Yeah. My best line would, again, you know me, I picked the ironic shit. Yeah. Um, I went with one of my favorite lines in any movie, which it's when he's on the beach with them and they bring up the mysterious looking bag and he says to them, what's in the bag? A shark Is or it something? a shark? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah, that was funny. But again, they don't answer it. But right. they never they answer it. They so, don't answer. and yeah. we do, we do, we never learn. Uh, my best line was actually um, <laughs> I went a completely different way on both of these. The when he wakes up out of the dream from another dream. Yes. So when he, he sees the body under the dock and swims under and then wakes up and he's got the body in his lap and then wakes up again. Yes. Uh, and when he wakes up the second time, he just looks around and then says, God damn it. Yes. But it's not, but he does not say it as in reaction to, I wish I would stop having these crazy dreams. Right. It's more like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Yes. Yeah. It's like, and I, that's why I liked it. He, he says it like, I just fucked up like the 18th take of this. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. It, it's like someone was off screen and just said, uh, hey, Nick, we're out of uh, we're out of coffee. God damn it. You know, that's how it came across. Yep. And it's like, agreed. I love it. Yeah, I just love it. It's good. Where's the line? Step away from the bike. That that was I was <laughs> like, you know, because the bees one is easy. You know, the bees are in my eyes. That's, you know, right. Step away from the bike. Yeah. That was the one. Because he's just screaming at her. Yeah. That was my worst. Because they were all bad. So I just picked one. Yeah. Because like, he also says murder is murder. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of whether it's sacrifice or not. Right. Which, yeah. enjoy that logic. Yeah. <laughs> my, my worst line is probably, I mean, there's a lot. because I, so much. I, I, well, it's really just, again, like I said, the, the ones where just the disregarded questions that you get throughout this movie. Yeah. I guess if I had to pick one that stood out to me the most, it would, be, it would be when the doctor tells him that, you know, we treated you in the old way. Yeah. And not so much because it's of, of the line itself, but because compared to the other lines that are disregarded, they literally don't have any dialogue that covers this up. They just right. wait for you to just to kind of disregard it yourself. Yeah, because she says it, and then it just sort of sits there right. yeah. before something else finally happens. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, are you going to tell me what the old way is? No. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see it? No. Are we? Get- and we're never going to touch it again. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, mine um, was, like you said, it's not necessarily the line itself. Um, but sort of the circumstance in which it happened. Uh, when he first walks into the tavern and we see the shot of Sister Beach behind the bar and all of the tables seem to be filled with women uh, and it cuts back to him standing in the doorway and he, and he makes a remark like, well, must be ladies' night. If you look over his shoulder, there is an entire table full of men. So when he says... Must be ladies night. We are, in fact, looking at a table full of men. Way to go, guys. Drinking game. Uh, Anytime somebody asks him if he's got permission. Oh, that's a good one. That's, yeah, that is good. That's a good one. Uh, mine's similar to what we had with Gili, you know, because I've I've played drinking games for this <laughs> movie before, and I this was one where I, I found a rule when I played this last time where it was just too good not to share. It's um, <laughs> every time Cage's character hits something with the intention to destroy it, and this includes people. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch the movie again, like it's really well spaced. Like the first thing he tries to break is. is the windshield with his helmet. That's right? true. Right. <laughs> That's fair. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So if you got one? The uh, any time the uh, 18-wheeler appears out of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's yeah. brilliant. Yep. Yes. Truckception. Yeah. Truckception. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. What did they do right in this movie? I, I think some of the performances were quite good. Oh, yes, they were. So, sure. Really. 
Um, and I, I thought um, the setting. I liked the setting. I liked the houses they were in. Um, I thought so the overall production design yes, was 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 pretty good. That's yeah. what I wanted. That's I what mean I, the the village itself felt like it was. We have built all of this ourselves. Yes. We maintain it ourselves. There is no interference from the outside world. Yes. Um, in costumes, the way it was shot too is really interesting because they they had they use some color correction and filtering where it has like, everything has like a slight. And the, the set design, too, was it's very uh, – they used a lot of oranges and yellows to kind of symbolize – to parallel the honey thing. Right. Yep. And that was it, – it was pretty subtle, uh, yeah. but, like, a lot of the scenes had, like, a, a little bit of a warmer yeah. color correction to it. So that was that was nice. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, a lot of people ask me, like, you know, Jack, why do you like Nicolas Cage so much? He's awful. I have a lot of responses to that. My immediate one is you, you can watch the most boring movie or most bland movie out there, and if he's in it, he's going to make it interesting. And this is a movie where I think if you put a a less committed actor or one who is a lot more uh, downplayed, we'll say in this case, in this movie, this would be boring as all hell. But if you look at everything, especially everything that happens in the last act, it's so funny bad to me. It's so enjoyable because of just how batshit nuts he's actually acting. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, an actor I think is boring. Uh, uh, Eddie Redmayne, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of his. I 100% agree with you. Imagine him in this movie. You would be asleep by the time before you even got to the island. Yep. And so my shocker, what they did right was Nicolas Cage. Well, I mean, he produced it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, he's been he was involved from the beginning. So no, I mean that really that's just the production design itself is what really struck me about the movie overall. And because everything else has to, you know, whether. I enjoyed it or not, uh, just because I had the comparison of the original movie. And and that was sort of what, you know, I I kept going back and forth in my head about while watching it was, it was like, why did this movie get such a bad rap? Was it because it's just a bad film to begin with? Or was it because they didn't really follow the same story as the original? Or was it because they, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. The, the the movie itself, though, there were things they did with, like you said, with the color correction and all that good stuff. Yeah, the cinematography itself, though, I was not a fan of because it felt like there were moments that were they went handheld where there was no reason to go handheld. Yeah. They weren't very interesting shots. It just seemed kind of textbook film school. Yes, because yeah. you see some basic some basic tracking shots. Some, nothing that really stood there out. There were there were no interesting camera movements. Um, but then when but then, but then when there were, seemed like they were trying to achieve some sort of effect with the camera movement. It made no sense. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, the, just the production design overall for me was the best thing. Well, in that case, it's uh, we're reaching the end. Zip, let's go ahead and put a stamp on this guy. With the flaming cinematic turd meter. Yeah, like, uh, and this is sort of what I was going into uh, just a second ago, is it, it, how do you really judge the movie as a, as a comparison to the original? Uh, does it stand on its own? And it, it kind of fails on all those levels, honestly. <laughs> but um, here's the thing, is, is that I know the, the original has a, a very adamant following it, it it is a cult film and it has and i would call it that in all senses of the word because there are people who passionately defend that movie i would call this a cult film in some respects i believe this to be a cult film as well yes i would agree with that but for different reasons sure. and so but the thing is is that as much as i love horror movies and old 
uh, you know, especially from that time, especially British productions, you know, because you're still coming off the tail end of Hammer films and things like that. And this one, the original went in a different way. It wasn't a straight-up horror film. It was very much, is this man still sane or not? It really was about him thinking he was losing his mind until the end when it's all revealed. Oh, no, the joke's on you. We were just driving you crazy so we could convince you to sacrifice yourself to the gods. You know, it was that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, yeah, Where, whereas this one, Neil LeBute had to put that spin on it and make the women, be, you know, is like, is he saying that they're being evil by destroying the men and keeping the women god? Or woman god happy or I, whatever. The point is, it's it's kind of campy. Uh, and I don't care what they say. I don't think it was an in, intentionally campy or, or cheesy or goofy or whatever. Jack, I have to agree with you. That's what made me enjoy it. You know? So by the time it was over, I was neither against it or for it. It was just, well, that's a thing that happened. And I didn't hate it. So there you go. Moving on. Uh, so, yeah. So, honestly, overall, I'm, I'm going to give it a two. And that's it for this episode of It Came From The Bottom. Once again, brought to you by Head Games Entertainment, your ultimate source for digital series, podcasts, and more. Next time, something different. <laughs> nice. I'm Zip.